Sorry if that sounds teaching, Listen, but that's what I do. He's a life coach. For a living. Just, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you just life coached us. <laughs> yeah. I teach, I teach uh, first grade, so, you know, that's my level. <laughs> that's your level. <laughs> How does that work out when he tries to be a life coach for you? Ooh. I, honestly, it doesn't happen as often as, you know, many may think. It don't, bro. <laughs> Come now, on, I bro. You say- know this doesn't work like that. You know, she- <laughs> well, Jeff has definitely tried. He's definitely. <laughs> I, told, tried. I, I told Andre one time, like, He's I just want to be, be a consultant. I was like, life. I just want to be able to motivate you some days. And she's like, your yeah, motivation don't work think, on me. Yeah, I mean, motivate. I think motivating one sure. another is definitely just a part of being in a relationship. But like, giving me a five steps to achieve certain goals. But I could. <laughs> I just, just- <laughs> You gotta bring up our fight. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're what a visionary. I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. We are together. We've been together for 18 years. Yeah, and it's actually the exact same amount of time our... Uh, interview is they are they are way wiser than us. They've been married one week longer. <laughs> they totally have us. I mean, surpassed. just think about the things we're going to learn this week. That's how much further they are. Oh my us. goodness! This could be a life changing week. Way ahead. This could be the week. They're, they're, <laughs> you like, you are in life coach motivation. I feel like BJ rubbed off on you here. Rubbed off. Yeah, Mister Life Coach. This isn't motivator. how I always am. No. I mean, just think about the life transformation we're going to experience in the next seven days. Listen, married to Jeff as an entrepreneur, your highs and lows are ridiculous. Because Uh, last night, the last comment you said to me before you went to bed, I'm just over this. I'm just going to bed. That was the last thing you said to me last night. You said I'm over this day or something like that. No, that is actually not what I said. The second part was true. About I'm going to bed. I just said I am not in a great place. I'm going to bed. Okay. It wasn't that I was over it. Yeah. But I was having some mental moments. And then today, look at you. And then today, you're like, this week could be transformational. Like, listen, sometimes. What happened to my husband from last night? To listen, if I, you're, you're probably listening on a walk or on a run or in your car, wherever you're listening to right now. You know and I know. Sometimes we got to fake it to keep going and I'm trying to just keep going <laughs> and sometimes I got to will myself into a better place I like your willing yourself that's great I'm glad I'm glad I just I definitely feel like BJ just kind of rubbed off so let's talk about them today <laughs> today we are interviewing BJ and Vanja Thompson they have uh, started the company called buildabetterus.com they have two books that they wrote um, a Better Him and A Better Her, which basically are 31-day journeys through self-care. And so it's really about your individual health kind of and your personal growth then impacting your health together and your relationship as well. Yeah, he also has another program that's a 45-day program uh, called... 45daytransformation.com. And that one is more physically healthy, kind of a more physical diet, healthy challenge. He, challenge. He, I mean, this is our first life coach on the podcast. Is it? And I feel like you're probably more motivated in life right now. Me? Yeah, after after going through that with him. Are oh. you? Oh. Are you pumped up? I thought it was you that was so pumped up. Well, maybe you're faking it. it. <laughs> maybe it is me. I like BJ though. <laughs> this was a really good conversation. So, what should we be listening for? Number one, we're gonna. I, I asked them the question: What is a healthy couple? What does that even mean? What does healthy mean? Okay, that's good. Number two, losing thirty pounds. Yeah, I think you said thirty-five, but yep. Oh. Oh, you, what are you going to fact check me now? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if he lost 35, he also Monica. lost 30. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Is there, was I not truthful? Yeah, keep going. And number three. The question that BJ would ask us if he was sitting with us. 
Oh, yeah, the life coach question. The life, the go-to life coach question. Yeah, that was a really good one. You got to wait till all the way wait, to wait, the wait. end for I will that say, question. I feel like I kind of nailed the question to ask him the question. You did ask a good question. You get question. what I mean? Like, oh, I was like... What you're saying is, I feel like I asked a good question. That Let's just simplify it. Him to tell us the question. <laughs> okay. You asked a great it's question. Like, it's kind of like a question for a question question. Like kind of at Christmas when you do the gift for a gift, gift, Okay, gift okay, we're question. done. <laughs> we are done. All right, everybody. Today we have BJ and Vanja Thompson. My name is BJ and this is Vanja. Uh, we have been married this year for 18 years. Uh, we just recently celebrated our 18th year anniversary. Um, oftentimes we share about our story about falling in love and coming together, I think we have two different stories. <laughs> we yeah. got his story and then the true story. Ah. Okay. <laughs> that's what, we, that's what okay. they all say. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think this is part of the <laughs> challenge. Um, so we met in undergrad um, at the university and you know I was a young man um, trying to find myself and ended up stumbling into this small group. And when I was there, I was looking around and I was just like, man, I really want to create you know, the different wave of life for myself. And I was like, I need a girlfriend. And so I walked in, this is no lie, looked around. I was like, which one of these women could be my girlfriend? Wow. Um, wow. I don't know that's wrong. Uh, that's just the I truth. don't know either. I'm still yeah, <laughs> wondering about truth. that. It is true. Um, but when I walked in, I was like, I need a sign. <laughs> so I walked in, I was looking around. I was like, God, you got to give me a sign. And I looked, I saw this really bright light, like an oasis from the side. I was like, oh, what is this? My eyes are hurting. So dramatic. <laughs> it was And she had these gold earrings in her ear. She had about eight on each ear. I was like, Lord, thank you for that sign. So, I remember back in the day, the whole ear. My ear was full, too. My ear was broken. Oh, she had a whole ear. Oh, I yeah. took a lot of them out, but I did have a bunch of earrings on both sides. But, yeah, that part is, I would say, somewhat true, I guess. You know, from his perspective, he saw me and fell in love at first sight. Um, for me, it was, I mean, I just wanted to be in a relationship. I was, I think we were, what, 18? New to college, and I was like, you know, let's see how a relationship could work out. So we jumped in, and yeah, okay. So and it was all so perfection. His, it was all his like story rainbow. wasn't that wrong. His story but he has wrong. another part that is so extreme and dramatic. I'm just trying to save the conflicts for the <laughs> conversation. <laughs> now, out of curiosity, you said 18 years. I'm because we just celebrated 18 years. What was your anniversary? August uh, 10th. Oh, August 10th. One okay. week. One week different than ours. August 17. August 17. Yeah. 18 years. Okay. Congratulations. Congratulations. You yeah, too. You too. Yeah, uh, congratulations. So then it's just been unicorns and butterflies since then. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's young. That's very young. Did y'all stay together this whole time till you got married? Did you break up? Yeah, we had one moment. No, she's during our dating. So we dated, we started dating shortly after we met. Mm -hmm. And then maybe for about five months. And then we broke up um, and broke up for, you know, mm -hmm. a little under six months. Mm -hmm. And then got back together. And then at that point is when we experienced, like we knew that we both matured. It was kind of over like a summer break as well. And so we had some time to, I guess, find ourselves in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so when we got back together, it was still very rocky, but I think we had a mutual desire to be committed. For sure. And we also, you know, had some pressure from leaders to make it either work or not. Mm -hmm. And so um we'll get into that later <laughs> yeah so that was the only time that we had a you know last in our relationship mm -hmm. yeah so we basically have been together for 20 years mm -hmm. yeah and y'all got married then right out of school is that how i'm taking it we were in school, in school. so oh. yeah. yeah we met in 2000 and got married 2002 yeah while you're still in undergrad yeah. yes whoa yeah it was a yeah. lot of things happening yeah. So tell us about what you're, what you were referring to that pressure that you felt to seal the deal or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I am a Dallas native, not a cowboy fan or hater. Um, 
<laughs> uh, grew up in a environment where, you know, a lot of freedom and just, you know, expressing relationships came around like whatever you want to do and whoever you want to be. And so for me, I mean, just being the type of, I guess, loose playboy, just kind of cool person that I was, I think for me, just being in this new environment of like, there's all these unspoken rules on relationships. I've never seen it in my life before, especially the white Christian version relationships. I didn't even know it existed, actually. Um, no one told me they were kissing, dating goodbye. I had never heard of the side hug. I didn't know anything. Like, I knew nothing about these rules. I didn't know nothing about the Billy Graham rule. No one introduced There's no crash course to the culture. If you ever got introduced to the culture, there's no crash course. They don't take you to orientation, like a job or like some type of thing. They just bring you to it. And when you bump into the rails, that's what happens. And so for me, um, when Banj and I met, a lot of our relationship was up and down, but it was up and down in us trying to be a healthy couple, trying to be this. And I think because of, you know, just the challenges and, and there's not really a well-informed emotional intelligence mm -hmm. to that culture, you know, th then the resolve is just get married, yep. break up. Yeah. And so now here we are in love or trying to build something healthy and all we got is this ultimatum. And so that's, yeah, that's what we mean when we say pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just to have the ultimatum of yeah. do something or leave it alone. It's like, oh, I don't really know which one. Yeah. Which one mm -hmm. should I choose? So it was a very micromanaging environment. So the, you know, the pressure of you all need to make a choice, I guess, to, um, I don't know, be seen as followers, you know, of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a huge thing because for me, I really desired to be in a committed relationship with him. So breaking up wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, and I also wanted to be accepted in, you know, this community. And so, um, I just was like, all right. But for me, I didn't grow up in a household that had a, you know, two parents. I was raised by my mom and then my aunts were highly involved and my grandmother. I would, you know, formulate my own ideas from watching TV shows. Um, back in the 80s and the 90s. But beside that, I was just like, you know, let's just have fun together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there will be some challenges. But I didn't have a framework for what a um, engagement or a marriage should look like. Yeah. So for me, I just was like, all right, I guess it's just the next step. We just get married. And right. So then when... Take offense. <laughs> right. And based on both of you, it seems like your family of origins you know, you didn't see that. And so then when people in authority, so to speak, are telling you this is what you should do, you kind of just assume that's the next thing that you're supposed to do, right? My parents were married up until my dad passed away uh, in 2013. And so what I would say is I saw a, a marriage, but I saw the marriage of commitment. So it's like, I'm just here and I'm committed. And but not in love is what you're saying. I wouldn't say that. I, what I would say is that's how I viewed it. I viewed marriage as like, oh, this responsibility. Um, okay. I would characterize my parents as having love and commitment to one another um, up until the day that my dad passed away. Um, hmm. Strong love and strong yeah. commitment. Okay. But the way that I viewed marriage was more of a responsibility than I did all of the nuances that came along with creating and sustaining and building yeah. that type of relationship. So when Hmm. I got into this new subculture and there's all these tiny rules. Let's just make it clear. We're talking about white Christian evangelical yeah, subculture. Yeah, okay. Yes. Let's yeah. keep, there we go. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Yeah. And you just don't know that there's, like I said, you don't know if there's rules. And so right. for me, the contrast of growing up seeing, oh, this is responsibility, love and commitment. And then all of the different things, the rules coming together and like, how am I supposed to be a boyfriend, a fiance, a husband, and then all the different things that come along with that? Mm. So, yep. That's interesting. You, you kind of referred to your family. You said uh, marriage as a responsibility. But then a, a little bit earlier, you had said we were trying to be a healthy couple. Yeah. I'm yes. curious, 18, 20 years now later, what does that mean to you? Like, I, I, that's so hard. Like, what does a healthy couple mean now 
uh, versus where you started. Help us understand that because I don't know if we're, I'm trying to. Are you trying to measure us? (laughs) Are you trying to put us on a scale of one to ten? No, listen, I'm about to learn. I'm just going to learn. You're on it right now. You're on a four right now. Y'all, y'all don't know that this is our therapy, right? Like we just do this for some therapy for us. I mean, it's definitely it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of trial and error and figuring out what does it mean for us specifically, but also just in general. Um, I think because we did not have a lot to pull from um, from our previous experience or from you know our family dynamics or just having it modeled in front of us. It was a lot of just, uh, this doesn't work for us or this does work for us or what that couple's doing. And we couldn't even try, but I would say for me, healthy can mean so many things, but a huge part of me, um, labeling our marriage as, you know, continuing to grow towards health is being able to give one another the space to continue to grow individually as healthy individuals, you know? And so, and relearning, you know, each other, like me knowing that the way that I respond to BJ cannot be the same way that I responded to him 18 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 Mm. or last year, because I know that he continues to strive for health as an individual. So he's developing and becoming a different person. Mm-hmm. a healthier person and the same for me. And so it takes a lot of checking in and communicating and understanding, you know, how I'm processing through my emotions, how he's processing, how I'm perceiving the world, like my struggles, my traumas and vice versa. So for me, that's one way to measure health. Good. Yeah. I think people are making it up. I mean, <laughs> I think that's what really, I think people are just making up health. I think it works until it doesn't. And I think that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, we, we like, everybody likes to believe they're better than what they are. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us specifically, you know, when I mentioned like, man, we're just trying, I, you know, you just imagine like, I come from a background where I treat relationships like a sport, right? That's why I can walk in a room, look around, and be like, who do I want? I can decide who I want in a room, right? And so I think you, you, you look at that and, and then you see, man, I'm, but I'm not operating with this sport mentality. I am dialing back. And so I think part of the challenge that we face in helping people grow up in relationships is we need to take into account the contrast of their story and who they are, right? No one ever asked me that. No one ever asked me my background, my relational story, and who I was. Mm -hmm. Therefore, when I was trying, it didn't seem like an effort, Mm -hmm. right? But if you would have seen me months before that, years before that, you would have been like, oh, shit. Different person. You're a different person. Like, Mm -hmm. you're really trying. This is not, you know, typical of you. And so I think sometimes we have to be very slow to talk about where we are in our health journey because it is in contrast to where you stand yeah. in the story, right? Right. I'll yeah. just say very quickly, you know, I know people who are recovering from, you know, drug, alcohol, and food addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may see them push away a meal, push away a drink, push away, you know, um, a, a temptation for, for some type of, you know, drug. And that seems like nothing to you because maybe you don't do drugs. Maybe food isn't your thing. Maybe alcohol isn't your thing. But when you have those people proclaim, man, I'm 30 days sober, 60 days sober, Mm -hmm. that is a big deal, right? And so I want to always be careful about how we talk about health and who and what health is because what tends to happen is if we're not careful, we'll make people feel entrapped. We make them feel very uh, unheard. We make them feel very little uh, and impossible to grow to certain things. Right. And had the people, you know, been mature and seasoned enough in life mm-hmm. to know it, there would have been much more applaud on my end as yeah. opposed to this entrapment of pressure that literally led me to the place where just like, well, we're just going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like meeting yeah. that check and stuff. Yeah. Are you guys communicating, you know? you guys have the same perspective on this concept uh-huh. like instead of meeting that checklist is i'm like that's good you yeah know, that's a good point yeah. <laughs> so i, I want to dig a little deeper in that because i think if a listener 
there's I don't know. I could be wrong in this, but no, dude. I would say 95% of the people listening are like, yeah, we could do better. Like they're not, they're probably, do I, better for what? Like, I don't, I wouldn't say they're, I, again, again, I might be wrong, but I think most people are like, I don't know that we're in a healthy state. Like, I don't know yeah. that I could share. I don't know that I could claim that. Okay. And yeah. so if someone's thinking that to themselves, I mean, part of that shame part, of, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. If they have that self-declaration, like something's not quite right, whatever that means, wherever they're at on that spectrum, where, where do you start? So for me, the reason why I said we always need to start with our narrative and story is because it shows you where you are in that journey, right? Again, had I started with the journey of where I had come, I could have easily looked back and said, oh, no, I've grown. Like, I am fighting to put disciplines in my life that are self-imposed. They have nothing to do with anyone else but me. And that's why I said I think part of that sympathy or empathy is just recognizing, hey, this is my journey. I'm, I am maturing. It just doesn't look like these particular things. In contrast think, to like a game of, of comparison with someone else, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because we can easily compare ourselves to people who don't have the same journey or yeah. story. Yes. Right. right. I did not grow up in homeschool. I grew up in, in the public school in all kinds of things exposed to all types of trauma. Hmm. And so my journey was very different than a lot of the people who I was in relationship with in that season of life. And so I think one of the ways that you can begin to take a pulse, that's what I call it, taking a pulse on yourself in your relationship, is beginning to ask yourself, what are some of the dominant themes or issues that are coming up? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Hmm. Um, is it sexual? Is it spiritual? And what are these themes? Like, what are you seeing? Again, it's really about what you see in those things. And then what I would do is as you take a pulse and ask specifically, what are those things? Then I would just start saying introspectively, when did it start? Mm -hmm. Right. Is this something, this theme, did it start when we got together? Is this something that has, you know, been with me my entire life? Like when is this theme starting to, to come? And, I, and then I think once you start tracing that pulse and that theme to its origin, then you can begin to get consultation. Um, you can begin to get right information and then hopefully get right application so that you can see the, the meaningful transformation, right? And so that's what I would say specifically to people who want to see growth and transformation. Hmm. Sorry, that sounds teaching, but that's what I do. He's a life coach. For a living. Go ahead. <laughs> you just life coached us. Yeah. <laughs> I teach, I teach uh, first grade, so, you know, that's my goal. <laughs> that's your love. <laughs> How does that work out when he tries to be a life coach for you? Ooh. I, honestly, it doesn't happen as often as, you know, many may think. It I, don't, bro. Come now, on, bro. You say, know this doesn't work like that. You know, she, <laughs> well, Jeff has bro. definitely tried. He's definitely I told, tried. I, I told Andre one time, like, He's I just want to be a be, consultant. I was like, life. I just want to be able to motivate you some days. And she's like, your yeah. motivation don't uh, work on me. Yeah, I mean, motivate. I think motivating one for another sure. is definitely just a part of being in a relationship. But like giving me a five steps to achieve certain goals. But I could. I, just, <laughs> just, I don't know if I always hey, listen, it listen, so, just know I but can. But I could. I, listen, I don't, but I can. Sometimes I just want you to let me just be crazy and then. Yes. Oh my goodness. The other day, that is me all the time. I just look at him and I'm like, just let me be. Let me be this crazy person. It's okay. I tried to motivate my kids the other day and they stopped. We were in a car. They just stopped in the middle of the conversation. They listened. Oh, they let me funny. do my rant. And then my daughter said, Dad. Wow, Dad. Good speech. We're all going to clap. She, she goes, let's, let's slow clap for you. No. My 10-year-old. 10-year-old. You think that's like from a 10 years old. You'd think it's from wow. like a 16-year-old, but no, it was a 10-year-old. Oh, yeah. Gave dad the old slow clap. Hashtag dad fail. I, I, I take some of his um, advice and I'll share with others as if smile. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So take us back to like a moment when you guys were like, man, this, something's not working. And we Some need to, we need to throw this out. Oh, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, 18 
20 years, you can have lots of moments. I honestly forget most of them, but I will say uh, maybe it was around nine years in. And I just remember that being a very challenging year for us. It was mm -hmm. just a lot. We had, had our, all of our kids at that point. Mm -hmm. our, yes, we had, I think we had, I don't know. Anyways, we had at least three kids. Um, and we just was, just kept button heads and I feel like it was more of a battle against one another. And I don't remember where it came from. Mm. Maybe you said it, read it somewhere, or just it was just revealed. But the concept of realizing that we were on the same team, achieving the same like goal, just it was just like a light bulb moment for me. And not to say that, you know, from there it's been smooth sailing, but I think having that in the back of my mind, or even just in the forefront of my mind in the midst of you know, buttonheads or just having a disagreement about something or just feeling hurt by something that, you know, we may say or do to one another, realizing that it's not with the intention to actually hurt. It's me expressing maybe out of my own trauma or just out of unclarity or confusion, like I'm not purposely trying to hurt you. Yeah. Some of it is trying to like you know, self-preserve, uh, like I'm going to make sure I don't experience hurt. So I may say something crazy, yeah. but it's not to hurt you. It's just so that I can continue to move forward. And so realizing that being on the same team and that we both want to enjoy each other and enjoy life and, you know, be a great picture for our children and for the people around us. I think that was a huge turning point for me. Oh, yeah. No, that's huge. I mean... I grew up watching uh, videos, NWA, Snoop Dogg, and just like, <laughs> there's a scene where they're at the park and they're having this party and they get the bottle of wine and pour it on top of this wine. I think that was a 40 ounce. It was a 40 ounce, right? And so my view of like women really was like, oh, this is a transaction. This is a transaction of like whatever I want it to be. It's like, romance if it's whatever it's like that's how i viewed it and so my idea of relationships was like oh this is what that's what i'll get out of it but my real closeness is with like my brothers my friends like those are that's real that's the real thing and so i think for, for the longest the bulk of my life i've just i'd live with the idea of, oh, i'll never be friends with a woman and then to get in white christian circles y'all this is crazy they give license for that in ways you could never even imagine. You're like, yo, the Billy Graham rule says I never have to speak to a woman. I can literally walk in a room, she's there, and I can ignore her in the name of protecting purity and boundaries and all these different things. And so, you know, what I realized later was like, yo, this is kind of cool. It's simple, right? It's simple to have this relationship with women where you don't even pay them any attention. You completely ignore them as if they're going to sexually tempt you. And I didn't realize that that was having an impact in our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, to get to the point where you feel like you don't have to be friends and you can just be like, oh, you're just cool. Like we're, we're together. And I think it was probably more around year nine that it was like that thing became clear. I was like, oh, we're not best friends. Like, I love you. I like you. I don't see this. You're not a friend, like a best friend. And yeah. I think that was the watershed moment for us was like, part of this working for real is like, we're past the honeymoon stage. We're past mm -hmm. the, you know, we're buying a house. We're about a house. We're going to have kids. Like, we had all these different things. It's like, <laughs> but we haven't built a close friendship yeah. with each other. Um, which came a lot harder for us um, compared to like some of our friends in their marriages because our personalities are opposite. opposite. Like every personality test we've ever taken, we are the opposite, Total opposite. in every way. And so it takes a lot more um, work and sacrifice mm -hmm. to um, find, you know, things that we enjoy together. Mm -hmm. But then when we do find those things, it's like a genuine enjoyment. It's not just, oh, I'm just doing this because, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like we really enjoy each other and have fun. So mm -hmm. it's definitely produced like a richness in our friendship. Mm -hmm. It's not shallow. 
but it does take a lot of effort. When BJ was talking about looking at women as transactional, sharing the story of the Billy Graham principle, I saw you kind of looking at him like I could see there was a lot going through your head. Uh I'm curious what you were thinking as he was sharing that, like take us, take us to where, what was going through your head in that moment? Well, at first when he had mentioned like the friendship, it was kind of, I had a moment when we first were dating and, you know, I was just like, let's just be friends, you know? And he was just like, uh-uh, I'm either going to be together or we're just not going to be true. anything. This is true. <laughs> so that was a funny moment. No but, cap. <laughs> it's no cap. Um, but I think just even in that, like it, it speaks to some of my own like insecurities more specifically during that time when, you know, he went through that realization of like in my previous relationships, they were all pretty much transactional, you know? Um, And it was just based off of what we could do for each other and did it feel good and was it fun? Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't much depth. Um, And because we got married so young, a lot of my previous relationships were in high school. They weren't really in college, so I was a teenager. Um, So coming from that and getting into our marriage and our relationship, um, I brought a lot of baggage and insecurities, um, and I had to detach how he mm-hmm. may, you know, interact with me to what happened to me and, you know, past relationships and, you know, I guess learn who he was as an individual and how, you know, he brought his own baggage. But then, like I said, realizing we're just bringing trauma and baggage mm-hmm. and all kind of stuff to the relationship. So we need to then try to figure out how to be on the same page because we're on the same team. So, but yeah, I think that was just more of a, yeah, that was real. And I received some of that through, you know, being insecure in certain ways because of what I experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. And then also like just a, you know, a learning ex- experience for um, us as a couple and mm. moving forward. Mm. So How did kids change things? I mean, it sounds like y'all were working through a lot of things. And then three kids, you have three kids, right? Yeah. So it all happened at like everything happened so fast and at the beginning. So we, yeah, we got married while we were still in school. So both full-time students, we were working full-time, part-time back and forth. We got pregnant with our first child seven months into our marriage. Oh, my Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh help me. And, you know, it wasn't planned, um, but, you know, things happened. So we got pregnant with her. And um, so mm-hmm. still in school, full time in our, our ministry. babies. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. um, so four years later, we had our second child. And then two years later, we had our third child. So a lot of the discovery of self and marriage happened in the midst of kids. One of the biggest things that I can look back now on and say, oh, that was super unhealthy was our first child was my like scapegoat. So, you know, most of us being at odds, I'm like, not just me and her go chill and hang out. Let's go to the park. And I'll have Let's all, the Let's <laughs> all the fun with her. Or I'll sleep in the room with her tonight. You know, different things like that, which oh, just very unhealthy patterns. But um, it was a sense of escape because, you know, I felt, oh, there was no tension between me and our child or whatever. So it was definitely an easy way to escape, but definitely was not a good, you know, pattern to have. Did this, did kids pull on your whole response marriage as, as responsibility thing? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. mean, did that just throw you into yeah, a tailspin? Right no, right into it. That That is a great observation. What are you, you're a life coach. You are a life coach in here. You're rubbing off on her, right? <laughs> no, it absolutely hit that place. And I would even just say it solidified the fact that I was going to stay and be committed. Hmm. Um, I think when you have like a sense of like wavering, well, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it won't. You can go back and forth long enough through conflict and just decide like, ah, there's not enough here for me to like stay. And I think, you know, for me personally, because again, I just have never, you know, I, and I didn't mention this prior to being married to Banjo, 
I hadn't been in a relationship longer than three months. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the idea of long-term commitment, it was just unimaginable. <laughs> like my brain could not even imagine being with the same person every day for more, a year? Like that's a, that's a thing. Like that's a big deal. Um, We're going to celebrate start, that I, one year for sure. That right? First year we did it <laughs> big. Balloons, confetti, everything, right? Um, but yeah, so it kicked in. And, and it, but what it didn't do is it didn't fix the maturity and the intimacy and the connection. Yeah. Hmm. It just solidified the commitment. Yeah. And so when you think about that, it's like, yo, I'm wavering on my commitment in, in a very unhealthy place. Hmm. Now that we have children, I'm more committed, but I'm also um, less able to express how frustrated, how unhappy, how because I don't know how to move forward yeah. in mending and creating growth and help. Um, shout out to Build a Better Us. This is what we do yeah. as coaches. Yeah, go ahead. The organization is uh, we created a network that helps support people, both individuals and couples, in personal development, um, in relational development, spiritual and emotional development. Because when I started hitting those places, there was nowhere to go yeah. except for very mystical, spiritual people giving me Bible scriptures, which again, remember, I didn't come from that subculture. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know, they didn't know whatever asked me, hey, how are you processing this? I would have just said, Yo, I don't, it don't even make sense to me. I needed someone who had practical um, information yeah. and application for me. So I would just say, for me, children created that commitment of obligation, but I will say that they did not resolve the connections and, and right. the intimacy aspects of it. So, yeah. Yeah, you still had to grow up emotionally yes. and all of those things. Yes. But you were babies. Let's just be clear. I mean, I mean well, I know, some, I know a lot of people. Your brain that, was not that, even that, fully that developed. Issue. Yeah. I know people in their 40s who get married have the exact same issue. That's and they, still, they can't move past it, right? <laughs> so there's no, I want to make sure the audience listening, there is no magic button or switch. You're like, you know what? I'm okay without being, doing this without you. I'm good as a co-parent. Right. Yeah, that's true. BJ, you also in the last few years have kind of dug into like your physical health, right? Absolutely. Can you share a little bit about that journey? No, that's a great question. So in, you know, out of pain comes passion, right? And this is always for everyone listening. Your passion is often found in your pain. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2013, my dad unexpectedly passed from a heart attack stroke. Um, Was not sick, was not overweight. Did not need drugs, but the stress, lack of self-care in his diet took his life. And it like shook me, it rocked my world. You know, you just think about this is the strongest person I know. This is the toughest person I know. This is the most self-sufficient person I know in the world. And I have met up until that point more than 100,000 people. And I, the person I know is gone. And one thing that came out of it was, was this new awareness of like, man, we're so hyper-focused on, you know, the spiritual health, the spiritual health, the emotional health, that I haven't even considered my physical health. They're not even a question. And so, you know, I got into, you know, creating health routines around my diet and my fitness that were more informed because I I wanted to be here for my kids. Um, I knew that I was not Superman and I had to start admitting I'm not taking care of myself like I need to. And so I ended up getting into it and realizing as I was changing my diet specifically, because a lot of the health is around your diet. It's informed understanding around food and diet. Right. Um, My mind started changing and I started seeing my mental health change in ways that I had never even imagined. And I also recognized in the longer journey that somehow depression was being lifted off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I later realized that there's like chemical depression that comes through food. And so as I was doing all this, it kind of, it shook me up. I lost 35 pounds. You know, I was like lighter, mentally sharper, all these different things. And I was like, wow, all this happened because I stopped trying to compartmentalize my growth. I stopped saying, oh, I'm going to be spiritually healthy. And then physically sick. 
or I'm going to be mentally and emotionally healthy and then spiritually immature. Or I'm going to be emotionally healthy and physically healthy and then spiritually undeveloped. I realized that it had to be a holistic component of how I was treating my body, my mind, and my spirit. And so, yeah, so I got into it and we created what's called the 45-Day Challenge. You can visit 45daytransformation.com. Check out the next time we do a challenge. So, great question. (laughs) So, cheap plug. That's awesome. And do you just like bring your wife all along with you on this? I mean, you're just, Banjay, you're just jumping on in. Everything, everything uh, I start. Now there. he's your physical diet life coach too. You just jump like, on board. Like I do, I highly respect BJ and just passion and his gift. Like he is very talented and wise and, you know, very well informed. Um, but it's funny because sometimes I'm not even sure of half the stuff that he's involved in because I'm like, he's always having these great ideas and visions. <laughs> I um, see, I see know, the, uh, I see the resemblance here between you and BJ and me and Banja. <laughs> me and Banja. Just stay out. I'll just stay out of it. My stress will be so much less. Yeah. So like when we, you know, initially started Build a Better Us, that was very like, you know, side by side. Um, I was, I had all kind of different roles. Didn't know how I even functioned in those roles because that's just not naturally how I'm wired. But um as it grew, I just was like, you know, I'm here and I'm reaping the benefits and I'm available when needed. But I realized more and more my passion was um, teaching. So um, for the past, what, maybe eight years, I've just been involved in um, elementary education. And so right now I'm a first grade teacher um, at a school called Peace Preparatory Academy. Mm -hmm. And I've been there for about five, this is my fifth year. And I just love I just love that. I love being free with the kids. Yeah. I can be as silly and crazy as I want to yeah. while seeing growth and transformation in them. Um, but when it comes to the health, I just, you know, I do experience, you know, the transformation that he experiences, but I also have the same passions of, I want to be healthy for my kids. I want my kids to be healthy. Yeah. I want to have a, a higher quality of life. I have, you know, lots of random theories about food and chemicals and toxins and all those things. And so I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to, you know, have um, ample health and not be dependent on system structures, yeah, things, all that those things. And so incentivized through capital, not for health of human beings. <laughs> all of that. So, yeah, I think we definitely have a common desire in that. I've mm-hmm. done the 45-day challenge, and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Hundreds of people all over the world. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely, some things we do, you know, partner together with. But like I said, our personalities are so opposite. It's good for us to kind of have our own little things going on on the side. Yeah, I, uh, I want to make mention of something. I don't know if you're hearing this or not. The theme is like personal development. And, you know, sometimes I used to think that relationships were all about if we could just get better as a couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I learned and I have realized over time is like, man, if you're growing as an individual, your, your relationship will change. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. Right? That a good relationship uh, or a healthy relationship is simply the culmination of two individuals fighting to be healthy. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, an unhealthy relationship is a combination of two two or one individuals who are okay with this health or a lack of it. And so what we realize is much of the secret is like working on you, right? It's like you're taking the time to work on you and all aspects of you. And I also want to highlight something that Ben just said about, you know, roles, right? So as we've gotten into like the physical health spaces and just saying like, oh, part of this is being healthy, right? You know, People will, especially in this this new coronavirus era, this is a health crisis. Um, And a lot of these things are tied to obesity, right? A lot of death, a lot of loss of life is is tied to our health and our diet. And, you know, I don't know why they're not saying that more and more, but that it's specifically tied to these things that are creating some of the more um, dire consequences for catching this virus. But you know, I used to have this idea from coming out of these um, small Christian subcultures, white Christian subcultures um, with black people in it and white people in it, is like the idea of a role of a woman is like she's just at home and 
she's at home and that's ideal. And if she can just be there and support you, know, you. it's and home support you. you in all your endeavors. Yeah. And go to VBS and <laughs> Chick-fil-A dates and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I don't say that to diminish the value of people who really have that. Yeah. But what, what we realized in our own marriage was there came a point where I had to say, oh, I'm holding you back by you being at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are not flourishing. You are driving me crazy with like your, like your temperance because you're not doing what you were made to do. And I think that, you know, we need to hold loosely a lot of these prescriptive roles, um, they just say, oh, well, this is what a Proverbs 31 woman is, and she's at home, and she's at home making money. That means she has a job at home, right? That means she has some type of thing that is created. She's not just baking cookies. And I think that when you start letting go of these kind of prescriptive roles of like the relationship and how a person should operate, the freedom, the joy, the love, and the opportunities that can be had really begin to open themselves up because now you're starting to see, man, I want you to flourish as an individual. Did you guys start in that way? So, I mean, it seems like I I would imagine that that was not how it started. I would imagine that you felt like you, Vanja, you felt like you had to be home and you felt like she, you needed to be the man of the house because you're responsible and you're going to support. Yes. And when did this like come to the head where you realized this does not work for us? There was a lot of unlearning and relearning we both had to go through. But initially I was super excited about staying at home. Like I said, our college years were extremely crazy, busy and trying to manage so many different dynamics was overwhelming for me. So when I graduated college, I was pregnant with our second child and, you know, our oldest I don't know. She was maybe, I don't remember how she was, how old she was, but I was like, I just wanted to be at the house and just take care. You needed a break. (laughs) I needed a break. Wow. Um, And so for the first, maybe four to five years, I was fine with, I mean, it was great. I was connecting with other moms. I was creating, you know, spaces. I started teaching aerobics, you know, as a little side thing. I was volunteering. Um, I was at my, child our daughter's school often and then when our our third child you know came and about two years into his life I started wrestling really badly with purpose mm. and like questioning so did I go to school to just be at home all day or you know I was searching for dignity and didn't know how to find it with being a stay-at-home mom and for Everybody that experienced being a stay-at-home parent, you know, it is so like redundant and so like mm-hmm. it can be so robotic without seeing results. Yeah, you know, like didn't we just talk about this? Like it's a I thankless, mean, oh, thankless you know? job. Yeah, yeah. So it just wasn't fulfilling me the way that you know I realized that I needed. And so I remember having a conversation with BJ. I was just like, listen. I love you and I trust you and never will I ever believe that you would leave me by myself with these kids, but I need something for myself. Like I need something to invest in. And so it just happened where um, education became the thing that, you know, was put in front of me and it was something that I was excited about. It was, it was a journey. There was a lot of things that I had to overcome and still, you know, it's a growing process, but it has been something that I've grown to be super passionate about. Um, and yeah, so it was like an unspoken type of dynamic that we set for our roles. Yeah. But even in the transition, there wasn't pushback because we realized, like he said, for both of us to flourish, we had to figure out. So yeah. definitely. In the midst of you guys both just sharing, I don't know, I think there's something sometimes that I've experienced where you just start sharing your own story and then you start having all these internal self-actualizations uh, happening. So I really appreciate you guys being vulnerable and sharing that stuff because I think even in the moment, I think there's some things that I'm thinking about that had nothing to do with what you're talking about, but because of your um, honesty, I think it's it's causing me to 
process yeah. through yeah. some things. Send that check to build a better us. I was going to say, if he's, I mean, being a lot, li- I don't know if we've ever had a life coach actually on our yeah. show. But <laughs> I'm curious. I think something that's always so great about life coaches is that yeah. they have this amazing ability to ask a question to cause us to think. Mm-hmm. So if you are sitting with me, what would you be asking me today that I think all of our listeners should, what's, what's like a key question? You're like, I'm sitting down oh. with this person for the first time. I want to, I want them to unpack something. What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my question would be to you in this season of life, what do you believe is your greatest obstacle? Damn, it's COVID, so I feel like everything. (laughs) (laughs) When you asked me that, I said, let me count the ways. (laughs) Got it, got it. And I mean, specifically... No, but that's good. Yeah, what do you want to overcome? What's the thing you like? I want to see this thing change. Because here's the reality. That's where all growth happens. Growth happens at the point of your desire and decision. When you learn that piece... Nothing changes without desire, desire and decision. You cannot get anyone to grow until they desire it for themselves and they're ready to make a decision. There's no aspect yeah. of growth that definitely. can happen without that. Mm. Yeah, I definitely 100% agree. Yeah. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Right? Right? I love that's it. See, and that's why I didn't have to, I didn't have to, I didn't have to pay him for this session for today. One. This was huge. Got him on the podcast. <laughs> Listen, we got 10 more minutes. You're crazy. You're going to sign up for his 45-day transformation. All right. Well, we are coming actually to our last question. So we ask every couple this question. Do you think, is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Um, I mean, just my initial thought. One is understanding what does it even mean to stay in love. I think not having such a romanticized vision or view of what staying in love means is something that you definitely have to redefine um, because in that case, then that's not reality. That's not the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think being able to continually grow in our value for one another, Mm -hmm. that is a huge part of staying in love, um, value and appreciating one another, who are we, who we are becoming to be, um, respecting our passions. And I may have an influence on the world in one way and he may have one in a different way. And so that's us influencing the world and changing the world and having our kids be a part of that, having very honest, um, conversations about who we are to our children, allowing them to see that, and helping them develop in their own individual ways on how they are going to be able to impact the world. Um, So I feel like it's all interconnected, um, but you definitely have to be very aware of who you are and how you're influencing the world, how you're influencing your children, how you are influencing your relationship. Um, So I feel like, you know, it's not like in the, the idea of like a superhero type of dynamic. It's, I don't think it's really as challenging as what, you know, it may be perceived to be, but yeah, I definitely believe that mm. it's possible. Love it. Okay. It's my turn. It's your turn. We got to hear from both. Uh, no pressure. I don't feel any pressure. <laughs> oh, a hundred thousand listeners right now. What? <laughs> Let me get myself. Are you sweating over um, there? I am. Yes. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me do the first thing. The first thing is visit buildabetterus.com. Uh, okay, I'll go. I'll go. Okay. So um, there's a principle in farming called sowing and reaping. And it has to do with seeing fruit, seeing change. And you can't see change where you have not sown. I think that we live in this place, in this world that wants to see growth physically, growth emotionally, growth relationally, growth professionally, without specifically investing seed Mm. um, and then letting it grow, right? Giving it time to grow up. And so anyone can see change in life because that's how the world works. We are not living in a new day. These are new people. We are new people. We are new people coming into contact with old problems, 
And so when you begin to invest so good seeds into the ground, so good seeds into your marriage, so good seeds into your health, and then give them the nurturing and the time to grow, you will reap. Mm-hmm. Right. And so is it possible to do these things? Absolutely. But the equity, the sweat equity of sowing is going to cost you sacrificially. Um, and so if you ask me, why are people not seeing this? And I'll say, oh, because they're not slowing down enough to sow into it. Mm-hmm. They're just hoping that it comes overnight through desperation. When reality is this, there's four aspects of growth. Y'all ready for this? I love it. Preaching it. All right. Teaching it. I'm writing Herbs. it down. There is desperation, which is the desire to change. But it's not just desperation, doesn't just lead to transformation, which is the the change itself. You need the right information, right? So you need good information about what it is that you want to do. You need right information. Mm -hmm. The third thing you need is not just right information, right? That'll, That'll fill you up with a sense of knowledge and anxiety. You need a practical application. Mm-hmm. Something that is reasonable for you to do, to do it, to see that change. And then lastly, then you get your transformation, right? And so if you find yourself stuck in any aspect of your health, your growth, your business, you may have to ask yourself, man, I feel super anxious about this thing. I want to see change. Here's my question to you. Are you finding the right information? Are you looking for people with practical application? Because when you don't fill those two gaps, you will never see the transformation that you desire and it will create a a great sense of disparity inside of you. So we live to help people become inspired uh, through transformation and growth because that's how they were made to be. We were made to be these individuals who inspire one another. Let's do it. Say your thing, you know? The hype thing. Are you still recording? <laughs> <laughs> here, here, here's not the thing. Like, Would you just say your thing? <laughs> and now it's time for the breakdown. Oh, you said it so fast. I wasn't ready. And now it's time for the breakdown. Here we go. I felt like I learned a lot. I said my thing. Yeah, I told you just say your thing. <laughs> and then you said it. Yeah, I, you told me what to do and I do it. That's <laughs> but basically, then you surprised me. Supp- it came so fast, I wasn't ready. That's kind of how things work in our house. You tell me to do something, I do it. And then I'm surprised that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's a good one. I I'm glad you recognized uh, that. <laughs> that was a great recognition I'm of how a, things go. I'm at, I'm at a loss of words. Okay, wow. let's talk about what they talked about because there's a lot of things we need to get through here. Go for it. Okay, this is one thing that really hit me that they talked about is that health starts with knowing where you've been. Mm. This idea of like knowing your narrative and knowing your story, understanding your family of origin, like really going all the way back to understanding that, that whole part of you versus just like where we are right at this moment, right in this time, whether you're healthy or not. And I liked his questions to kind of like in the taking a pulse to kind of see where that is. Yeah, unpack those for us. Yeah, he was saying like, what are the dominant themes that keep exposing themselves over and over? When did you feel like all of this started? Tracing it all the way back to your origin and then like basically getting into therapy to unpack it all. I thought it was really good. I think I think so many people just start right now being unhappy with whatever is happening in this exact current space. Mm. But I think we really do need to go backwards to where you've been and what you've been, like what your journey has been. Yeah, the unhealthy side is definitely looking at someone else's life and comparing yourself to that other life. When in reality... You need to look at your own journey and see how far you've come, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I really like something that Van just said. She said, we each might have a different impact in the world. Mm-hmm. We each might have a different impact in the world. And that's it's, great. Well, when and that's I, A-OK, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we get caught up sometimes in relationship thinking that everything has to be a we. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the truth, like, yeah, 
I let me be crystal clear. I'm never getting involved in anything medical. <laughs> like the fact that I didn't pass out when you delivered our baby, I feel was a big win. I feel like that was a. I, I was mean, on top of the world. you wanted a T-shirt for it. You still want that T-shirt? I, I yeah, I, I deserve a T-shirt. <laughs> but you were concerned. You at one point you wanted me to wear a helmet. Yes, I was very afraid for your skull when you would pass out. <laughs> All that to say, no, I'm not going to have a medical impact on the world ever. And I have no desire to. And I don't even want to think about it. Yes. And that's great. This is not a we. Medical change is not a we. For us. Right. Exactly. Right. And just in general, everything doesn't have to be a we. And I think they even talked about that in another way. They said that. A healthy relationship is not just like the we being healthy. It's two individuals fighting to be healthy, which kind of goes into that same thing. Is like you can both have impact in your own different ways, but you also have to fight for your own health in your own different ways. I think you're like for us personally, you're fighting for your mental health, really, Mm -hmm. your anxiety, all those things. That is not something that, that I'm fighting for, for me personally, but it doesn't mean that I, I'm fighting in a different way for my own, my own spiritual health, my own soul. Listen, it's so easy though. (laughs) It is so easy for me to tell you the ways you need to change. Oh yeah. Even, even, but it's so difficult for me to change myself. Yes. And I think that's a common, even, even as this book has gone out, all our comments, like we get a lot of comments. We get a lot of like direct messages, messages and it's a which lot we about, appreciate. which we love. And it's a lot about relationships. It's a lot about, but I can't tell you how much it's really about how the other person's not doing something yeah. right. So my husband doesn't quite see it the way that you do. How can I change him? That's the underlying <laughs> yeah. like thing underneath it all. And it's like, well, you can't. And you won't. And and if you're not going to fight for your own individual health, like both part, parties, then there's always going to be an issue. Let me tell you something. After 18 years, which is one less week than the Thompsons, <laughs> after 18 there's years, so much wiser than me. one thing that I think I can very clearly articulate that I should never try to do is try to change you. And to change me to become a we, to <laughs> always be a we. Like, I can't handle being a we all the time. Now, we are a we in a lot of aspects of life, and and we often are on the same side of the table. We're a we on the same team. Yeah. But we're not a we in, like, I'm an individual person, and so are you. And that's okay. And, yeah. And I'm not. Not just okay. That is, that's good. Yeah. But yes, I mean, I think I think there's just so much there. Um, it's really good, though. I I uh, definitely felt inspired and life coached. Is that a verb? Life coached. I felt coached. You're asking me what a verb is. I don't. You're you're not the person. But Hang I, on, do I you felt, want me to did that uh, sound right? diagram your sentence right now? I don't know. Did it sound right? Because that's how I felt. I and think... I thought it was great. It was inspiring to me. I love it. So if you were encouraged by BJ in Vanja, for sure, and this is something you're interested in, a 31-day journey, which is the kind of self-help one, or if you're inspired by the physical, like that's something that you want to work on, there's the 45daytransformation.com. And then there's buildabetterus.com. Look them up, hire him, book him as a life coach, Hmm. and buy their books. Yeah, and uh, one other thought. She's a teacher at an incredible school called Peace, Peace Prep. Prep here in Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, and if you've never looked them up, I encourage you to look up the work that they're doing here in Atlanta and um, see just a new educational place that is really helping kids in the city and um, giving them kind of new trajectories for their lives. Is that a good way to yeah. say Yeah, Yeah, they're doing great things here in the city in a, in a really underserved community. Mm-hmm that doesn't even really have schools. It's, Man. It's that bad. And so it, we are super thankful for that the work, work they're doing. Peace Prep. Yeah, sure. isn't it so cool to have people on our podcast that are doing such amazing... When you look back at all the people we've had the opportunity to interview, wow, 
we have it is good people to are changing see that the world people are doing the work that needs to be done both internally and externally oh that was deep here we go everybody thank you for listening that's another episode of love, love or work was recorded by our favorite Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions. <laughs>